Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Hello there, and welcome to Frankie Sent Some More. I am your host, Frankie Picasso, and I am so glad that all of you are joining me today. Well, I have to tell you, I have two amazing guests. I am so excited and can't wait to speak to both of them. Uh, they are doing what I refer to as God's work. It's the first time I've ever said that, but it came, it came, this came to me. I don't know why. Uh, they're two scientists. They're both conservationists. They're dedicated to preserving a species that is endangered and could very well be gone in our lifetime. Really important work. Now, I found out about them through a common friend, Peter Gotsman. Peter started an organization he calls ES Revenge, or Endangered Species Revenge. Kind of funny, right? Well, he's got a background in marketing, and Peter thought that with an added dose of humor, it just might make donors pay attention to the plight of endangered species. You know, I think he's on to something. I know that many of you worry about wildlife and think, Oh, that's terrible. Why doesn't somebody do something? Well, today you're going to meet two someones that are doing something. But you know what? It takes money to continue to do this work. The animals can't pay these guys. They can't put money and food on their table. But you can. And luckily, there are people like Peter who understood that and are helping. You know, this is exactly why I started the Good Radio Network. Talk radio, going beyond talk to actually doing good things in the world called Social Impact. And I just want you to know how much social impact Peter has and how he stepped up to the plate because he was concerned for the animals. You know, he'd studied wildlife management in Kenya, tropical forest ecology in Costa Rica. And he, I say an extra prayer for him, but Peter felt so strongly that bringing humor to wildlife conservation would attract millions of people to join this fight to save animals that he sold his company and some very precious artifacts, very rare ancient Egyptian animal god sculptures that he owns that were being displayed at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York. Can you imagine going to the curator and saying, "Uh, excuse me, I need my stuff back, got to fund an endangered species revenge organization? Well, he did it. So please stand up for Peter, applaud him, say an extra prayer for him tonight because you know what? He's doing an amazing job. What an amazing story of giving and loving to the animals and to this world. So I have to ask you, what are you prepared to do? You know, you don't have to give away your house or your precious artifacts, but you can volunteer. You can volunteer to share the show with everyone that you know. You can share the ESR website. You can donate 5 or 10 or $20 if that's all you've got. Money adds up. So please visit www.esrevenge.org. Now, after you meet today's guests, I want you to go back there and donate to their causes. You're going to understand why after you hear what they have to say. So I'm going to introduce you first to Dr. Greg Rasmussen. He's a British wildlife conservationist, biologist, who has been studying the African painted dog for over 25 years. In the, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, is Hawang National Park in Zimbabwe? If it's not, you can, uh, you can help me. Wangi. The Wangi, Wangi National Park. Wangi Wangi. National Park. Yeah. 
Love it. Okay. In 2002, he founded and directed the Painted Dog Conservation Project, and he has now moved on to the Painted Dog Research Trust, whose goal is to continue with research into the highly endangered painted dog, but also to build for the future of conservation by making sure that Zimbabwean graduates become conservationists. They're mentored, given appropriate training and opportunity, as well as financial support. Greg has a very interesting story, and we're going to touch on that later in the show. Let me introduce you now to Dr. Enzo Aliaga-Rosso. I hope I pronounced that right. He's a Bolivian biologist who has been involved in research and conservation of river dolphins in Bolivia and Peru for the last 12 years. Who knew that dolphins lived in rivers, in fresh water? I sure didn't. And they're pink. Uh, he's been working as an associate researcher in the mammal department of the Bolivian Wildlife Collection, where he participated in various projects of conservation for different areas of the country. His focus has been on mammal biology and ecology. He's studied, um, he's done many scientific studies in Bolivia, Peru, Panama, Costa Rica, and he has written for um, you know, many, many different publications he's, he's published and just absolutely amazing. He's also received an American Society of Mammalogy um, award from them, the William T. Hornaday Award that recognizes outstanding graduate student who has made a significant contribution to the conservation of mammals and their habitats. So that's just absolutely amazing. And he's the only cetacean specialist in the country recognized by the International Union for Conservation of Nature. So congratulations on that. He's also the president of the Bolivian Network of Mammologists. So welcome, gentlemen. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Uh, Hi, we have, we have We have three segments here, and I'm going to talk to each of you, you know, about what you're doing separately and feel free to engage. And then after, we're going to have a free-for-all, so it's going to be lots of fun. Stick around. Greg, I want to start with you for a moment. The painted dog, it's it's such a beautiful animal. You know, it's got these bat ears, wombat ears kind of, right? And and they're speckled and no two are alike. Mickey Mouse would be dead jealous. Yeah, Mickey Mouse ears. (laughs) I mean, beautiful Mickey Mouse is. But you know, when I when I started um, twenty nine years ago working with the dogs, you know, there was they had no voice, they had no friends. You know, they were just perceived as a predator and vermin. And and I'm going, but guys, this is the most beautiful animal that's got an incredible social system. And and hey, they're endangered. Well, and, and didn't there used to be like, weren't they around for like forty million years or something? Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. They're about um, about uh, six million years ago, they've, they've, they've been knocking around and then, you know, like the wolf, they were persecuted and unjustly, I'm afraid. And, um, you know, and I also say, you know, who are we to wipe out species just because we, we decide, you know. But, oh, my um, gosh. Yeah. Well, there were know, like 500,000 of them walking around. Right. And we're down to 5000 maybe. Yeah, if we're lucky, yeah. There was probably nearly a million and we're down to about 5,000. Um, over 100 years. I mean, this is this is the scary bit, you know? Yeah, and, 100 and, years. And, yeah, and, and you know, and, and I remember as a young biologist, because I was younger then 30 years ago, no surprises. Yeah. Um, I, I, remember, I remember thinking, I didn't even know the plight of this species, and I'm thinking, I'm a young biologist, and I was, you know, kind of, I, you know, I think I know what's going on in conservation. And I realized I didn't. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and I, I came across the dogs and I realized that here was a species that was going to go out on my watch. Mm. And, you know, 
and and there, there is a saying, you know, not on my watch. Yes. You know, I don't want to see species go extinct on my watch. You know, maybe maybe, maybe they never. And, and you know, and there was all sorts of oh well, you know, they're a predator and they eat cows and all this. And actually, when I did the study, this is where we need good science. You know, I did the study and found out that the dogs were responsible for one percent of the farmers' losses. What one percent? One percent. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but they were the effort they were putting into it. And then I, you know, I used to, and it was great, you know, using radio as a medium to say to people, "This is the dog." And in fact, you know, one of my very first experiences with the dog that really blew me away was here I was studying a species that was labeled a, a ruthless predator. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I thought I was radio tracking these packs and wherever the packs went, I would follow. And, um, you know, at night, if they slept, I would sleep near as close as I could without disturbing them. And then one evening I heard this interaction with lions and the dogs. And, and I thought, oh, my God, and I could hear... The, the dogs doing their like um, group group defense call. Mm-hmm. Then I heard like a I can know like a yelping sound, and I thought, oh my god, one of the dogs has been killed. So I kind of get in there, and um, there was a dog lying there. He couldn't even lift his head. Oh. Good for oh. dead, you know. And I, I basically I called the vet in, and the vet said to me, he said, you know. He said, I don't know why you bother calling me. He said, he said, hey, this is nature, but we have to question what is nature. Yeah. And he said, B, he said, this, this, this animal's history. He said, you know, look at, look at the state of it. It can't even lift its head. He said, you know, and he went away rather. Anyway, so, so interestingly, the dogs had another idea about it. And I came back the next day. The dog was gone. But... I couldn't understand. I was seeing some strange movement patterns. They dragged that animal away, alive, into a thicket. And for three months, they cleaned its wounds. Wow. And they they fed it every single day. They would go sometimes, you know, up to 10, 15 miles back just to look after this one individual. And I remember that. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, you know, here's a species that everyone... Yeah, maligning. You know, we are weak. We can learn from it. You know, hey, they don't fight. They don't. One of the species, they don't fight. They don't even fight over territory. <laughs> we we can learn. They're absolutely an amazing. You know, the more you learn about them, the more interesting and amazing they become. And you know, not that they don't fight. That they look after their weak and and mm. you know that and actually like you. you I was reading that you told a story that is not about how big or strong they are because there was a three-legged alpha, you know, yeah. like they, it didn't matter about that. And, and like, that's just incredible. Now, the one well, thing the I, girls are smart, you see, pardon me, the girls are smart. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I'm serious. You know, painted yeah. in painted dogs, the females choose the guys. Oh. They choose. Oh yeah, no, they choose. They're very picky as well, and 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 but they're not picking, looking for the the biggest, bolshiest guy pumped up with testosterone. They're looking for the smartest dog to be their leader, okay. and that is what's so cool. You know, they so you know, three legged dog. He 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 can't be the fastest dog in the thing. He's not. But they're looking for leaders, real leaders that will take their pack in and out of trouble, that will make sure that the, 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 the team is 
well and truly engaged and organized so that they can bring back food for her pups. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go to a commercial are. break in, in just under a minute, but I, I wanted to ask you, so do I know that only the alpha female can have a baby. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah. but they all mate? No, only only the alpha female comes into Easter cycle. Okay. And then all the other females remain under Easter suppression. But right. the, cool, the cool thing is about painted dogs is that all those babies, everyone's allowed to share them. Nice. We're going to go to so, commercial break, Greg. I got to stop you there. And so when we come back, we're going to talk to you and then we're going to talk to everybody. So everybody hang in there because we're coming right back. We're going to talk about the pink dolphin next, but look up those beautiful painted dogs. No two are alike. No, we're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. This is DV Kid from newswithviews.com. My new book, Taking Politics Out of Solutions is now available. Why is it nothing changes no matter who you vote for? My book covers the most critical issues eating this country alive, as well as the solutions that are already there that Congress and the agenda-driven media don't want you to know. From the disaster of our economy, why we will never have any economic freedom until the Fed is abolished, trade, the meltdown underway called Obamacare, the truth about Social Security and Medicare, and the fraudulent ratification of the 17th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, a very big issue that affects every American. The answers and solutions are in my book that all Americans need to read because the worst is coming at us like a freight train. To order, please call one 800 955 0116. This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. It's Marching Network. Have you ever wondered where the terms used in computer speak originated? The word cookie, that packet of information that travels between a browser and web server, is named after the fortune cookie, a cookie with an embedded message. Rebooting the computer is literally pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. The name Google was originally coined in 1938 by Milton Sirota, nephew of mathematician Edward Kasner, during a discussion of large numbers. Uh, Google is the number one, followed by 100 zeros. The word Yahoo was originally invented by Jonathan Swift and used in his book Gulliver's Travels. It's a derogatory term for a person who is repulsive in appearance. Yahoo founders Jerry Yang and David Philo selected the name because they considered themselves Yahoos. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. And we're back, as promised, Dr. Enzo Aliaga Russell is with us, and he has been working for about 12 years with the river dolphin. It's a pink dolphin, and it only exists in Bolivia. Welcome. Hey, thank you, Frankie. Um, so there, the problem with the river dolphin, well, first of all, I've never seen a pink dolphin. Can you tell us a little bit about where did it, how did it come about? Where did it come from? Well, the, the Bolivian pink river dolphin is a different species from the, the river dolphin from the Amazon that you can find in Brazil, Colombia. And it comes like five or more millions years ago that all South America was flooded okay. by a big ocean. So that's when the ocean dolphins came into the 
let's say, mainland. Mm -hmm. So after that, when the mountains are growing and the rivers start taking place in its place, like the Amazon River changed the site, used to flow to the Pacific, now flows to the Atlantic. But these dolphins get trapped and they have this new environment, no competition, and they they start, you know, um, being unique for the area. Mm-hmm. And then most of them, they came in, some some group was maybe so far from the mouth of the river that they stayed, they stayed here in Bolivia. So in how, Bolivia, how did they, they go river. from saltwater to freshwater? Or can they do both? Or are they strictly freshwater now? It, it took millions of years until okay. all the physiology, you know, started adapting. But anyway, they are mammals, so they they don't, they need the air to breathe and fish, so they don't. You know, they're they not affected too much by the water. That's why you how, can how, find it in different yeah. types of... How big would they be like in, in compared to other dolphins? They're quite big. They are the largest um, river dolphins. Uh, they they could be like, let's say, up like to six, six feet. Wow. Yeah, they, they so can you, be pretty... You've been, you've, you've saved recently, you saved like 28 of them from... in. Because of what dams or or they got clogged in the rivers by nature, yeah, that, or something happened or what happened? That happened years ago. Um, we've been informed that some population of, of the river dolphins were tra- trapped in a segment of a river. Mm-hmm. What happened is a, a series of, of events. It was um, all the area is changing for agricultural um, business. There are huge areas being deforested. Mm. And they they are changing all the channels, and they need the the small streams to water the the crops, and you know they are keep doing this amazing and huge changes in the environment. So sure. then, <clears throat> one day it was like an extraordinary rain in the Andes, and they like drag a lot of sediments and and mm. sand and dirt, and they blocked one of the small streams that they were going to the main stream, to the main river. So that's oh. how they trapped. And it was impossible, you know, to remove all this dirt and all these sediments. It was like one kilometer long. Oh, wow. So that's a, a, a long, yep. yeah. Uh, and it was more than like um, five meters high. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so that was it They was couldn't jump it, they couldn't do anything, yeah. To, or, or to open it again, the channel. So we we started. We did some evaluations in the area, some surveys, and we were like, "Oh, maybe there are twelve, or maybe fifteen. We were like, we we're not sure because even they were trapped, it was like a kilometer. Yeah. The the water is still muddy, very. Uh, you know, it's like a so you couldn't see in the coffee in the with milk. Yeah, you yeah. cannot see. That's why they are adapted also for this type of environment. The, the eyes are very small, but the the sonar is very sophisticated. Ah. They have to go through these muddy waters, very dark. Yeah, but anyway, we, we start taking it. We we need a lot of people. We have a lot of help from people, organizations, volunteering. And we create this big team and we start taking out of the water. We have to capture them with the special nets, put them in a mattress, take them to a car, move them downriver. Then uh, we have no, we have to put it in another uh, boat and take them higher. Oh, wow. Because it, all this area was very shallow. The water was shallow. Okay. It was deep enough for the dolphins. And we didn't want to have like all cl- clumped in the same area because my, my yeah. 
want to start competing for food and everything. So we start taking one and another and another, and we ended with twenty, yeah, with twenty four. Including... Would, they, would they have been a family or a pod, or do they go yes. in pods? Yeah. Yes, I think so. I think I'm pretty sure they they were part of a family or a a, a big group. One yeah. of the genetic studies I did is like they don't move too too far. I mean, the river, the dolphins are in this area. They're not going to find like kilometers up the river in, in Bolivia. What made you fall in love with the river dolphin? Uh, I was a freshman at the university. I started biology in Bolivia. And one day in, in a book I read, there's dolphins, river dolphins. So for me, it was like, what? I couldn't believe it. It was like you were like... Yeah. In Bolivia, we're in the middle of South America. We don't have access to the ocean. Yeah. So I was thinking, like everybody, maybe they're tiny. But then I started like, trying to figure it out more, and I couldn't find any information. I started asking my professors around here in La Paz. It's in the mountains, so they, they, they are not very familiar with the species. I started talking with friends, family. Nobody knew. So like, what? You know, it's our own country. We have this weird, yeah. amazing species and nobody knows about it so when i started reading and they said they're pink so like oh my god so also they're pink <laughs> now they're pink yeah <laughs> they're dolphins that are living in rivers in bolivia you know so far from the ocean so for me it was was amazing and then the first time that i went to this area the tropical area and navigate to the rivers I was amazed because the water I was telling you is very muddy. You cannot see anything. I jumped, tried to, uh, you know, to make a, like a swimming around. I couldn't see anything. So for me, it started making more and more questions. It's like how they communicated, how they can survive in this changing environment that in, during rainy season, they flood all the forests, and dry season, it goes very you know, mm -hmm. uh, shallow. So it was, that's how I started. And I find out that there's only one study made in 1967 something by some Swiss scientists. So I started with the basics and, and I started doing basic ecology, like how many they are, where they are in a specific area. But then I find out all the threats the, the species is suffering and there there are too many you know it's not like they can move away if something happened right. to their environment they're trapped in these small streams or big uh, rivers but still they're very so, so as man and the environment and you know is is be affecting them what do you have a plan for them <clears throat> well we we did a lot of conservation actions actually i'm very happy about that it's I'm very proud of that because now still you go to the, some cities and especially in their mountains, very high, they don't know yet about the dolphins. Mm -hmm. But now you can see sometimes in a, a commercial or you hear in people talking about that. And we have a lot of environmental education in the area with kids. I, I wrote a small booklet for kids and, mm -hmm. and that time of education, I think, is going to change some perceptions of it. Um, we have a national action plan. The river dolphin was declared two, a few years ago like um, heritage mm -hmm. for Bolivia. So I was very proud of that. But still, you know, you have all these titles, all these kind of good things on the dolphins, but there are no money actually to start doing any yeah. kind of research. How, Most how, of the... Sorry, I just wanted to know how they change color. Oh, yes. As I was telling you, it's like... 
it's like humans. When you do a lot of exercise and you start running a lot, you, your vessels, your capillaries goes to the face and to the, near the skin and you get the red. Right. Some people get really red, others not so bad or, you know, it depends yeah. on the tone of your skin. It's exactly the same with the dolphins. Okay. So you can see some kind of whitish swimming around and suddenly they start doing a lot of exercise, fishing, hunting or playing or mating. or, And then you can slightly see how they change the coloration even they can be almost neon uh, it's so intense so pink that's wow. amazing oh of course is their language the same as other dolphins like when they talk does it sound the same um last year in october i just started with the study I'm, i just started trying to understand the acoustic of the animals we have, i have a student that's going to be working with me and basically we identified some basic sounds right now but still we need to make a lot of field work yet right and, yeah and find out so interesting because yeah sorry it's like how they the mother is gonna teach the baby how to swim, what dangers to avoid, going through the forest, or avoid piranhas, or maybe how to kill piranhas because it's their favorite. Food. That's is that their like what who's who hurts them? Who who are they afraid of, or who who predat who who's a predator towards them? When they're baby, they're very vulnerable. Uh-huh. Vulnerable. So it's gonna be jaguars and big alligators, caimans. Oh, because they, they all swim in the river. The big yes. cats. Oh, wow. Yes, yes. There, there are some reports that the, the jaguars can jump and kill babies. Holy. I, I never saw that or I don't have like the concrete evidence, just mm-hmm. people tell me. But with alligators, we find some and also anacondas, right? The, the big yeah. snakes, aquatic snakes of the Amazon. Wow. That's scary. Have you seen an anaconda? When oh, yes, at- yes. Yeah. They're not so badass. The movies. <laughs> I like that. And, and so the babies stay with their mom for about a year. Just like, they're gonna be nursing about a year. Yeah. Wow. Uh, because we, when we captured these individuals, uh, the babies didn't have uh, the teeth yet. They were like just milking. Yeah. What I'm guessing is like once they have this, they're gonna start up to two years with the mother. Okay. And maybe, uh, maybe a little bit more because I we saw closed mother with a baby and a juvenile next to them so maybe okay. the, the baby stay with them yeah and, and so and, they would, they'd stay as a family in a pod probably yes especially the mother the mother and the babies and the yeah. babies are so cute you have are no they? idea oh my gosh so, so they're <laughs> gray completely gray gray dark gray yeah um they're like uh, especially when they are like less than a month they still need to learn how to swim so you can see them like the babies breathe you know when they start walking yeah barely walking it's exactly the same with you with them very oh my gosh very you'd groovy. think that they would know how to swim but they have to breathe yes. air and they they learning that and the mother pushing them a little bit and wow. then some, sometimes they're alone and you can see more time That's in the crazy. surface you hear like a little bit goofy swimming. It's it's how it's so cute, cute is that? Enzo, it's... we're gonna go to a commercial. I gotta stop you. When we come back, Greg, I bet you have some questions. And I've got questions and we want to talk about more about the painted dogs and the dolphins. And don't go anywhere because we're coming right back. Listen, while we're away, go and visit ESR or ESRevenge.org. Check out the stories look at the videos go to the good radio network and I have the videos on there. You can see Greg you can see Enzo. 
warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. Did Scotch tape originate in Scotland? Nope. The popular gift wrapping tape was actually developed right here in the United States. In 1926, the Minnesota Mining and Manufacturing Company, 3M, was being a bit rapacious, trying to save a little scratch or money, and started using a cheaper adhesive on their sticky tape. A Detroit automaker ordered some of this newer, cheaper tape to use for spray-painting auto bodies. But the automaker complained because the tape was scotch, a politically incorrect word that meant cheap or stingy. While the tape didn't have the adhesion to satisfy the automaker, it was hardly a Jifu jet. That's an unnecessary thing. It had many other uses, as we all know. So the tape was kept in production, and the name Scotch just stuck. It's I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. ADHD, or Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, is a developmental disorder with symptoms that include hyperactivity, impulsivity, and inattention. While it is said that 9% of school-aged children have ADHD, 4% of adults are also afflicted with the disorder. In children, it can interfere with academic or social performance, and with adults, it can hinder with work and personal relationships. NC State University states that exercise is a viable treatment for ADHD. Many studies have indicated that exercise improves cognitive function. Exercise increases dopamine and is an affirming force when it comes to ADHD. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our Facebook fan page at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Hi, you're listening to Frankie Sense and More. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. We have Dr. Greg Rasmussen with us. We have Dr. Enzo Aliaga Russell with us. We're talking about the painted dog, the pink dolphin, and conservation in general. And of course, off air, the really great conversations happen. So I'm going to bring them on air. And just what, you know, while we're on break, we were talking about all of the species that we don't know about, all of the species that could be going extinct that we haven't even thought of, common ones. Greg was just talking about the common sparrow, you know, who who might be going the way of the dodo bird very shortly because of us, man. We are terrible stewards. Gentlemen, hop in whenever you feel like it. I mean, you know, yeah, this, this, you know, this, yeah, yes, as a as a child in England, and then we emigrated to Zimbabwe, which for me was the most amazing thing when I could see wildlife at another level. But you know, the common house sparrow was was in you know every roof, every barn, every eaves, mm-hmm. and then suddenly they disappeared because of a mixture of pesticides and the mixture of everyone. No, you can't have your nest in my eaves, in my roof, in my this, in my that, and and you know, and the, the thing is like listening to. You know, the stories about the river dolphin, you know, whether it's somebody cleaning out the eaves of their gutters to get rid of the sparrow that's, un, that's, that, that's messy or whatever, to, you know, building dams that are, that are you know, meaning that, that the dolphins can't, you know, can't survive in their natural habitats. And this is, you know, this is key. And, you know, and there are, you know, the same way, we, neither of us as young biologists knew the plight either painted dogs or pink dolphins were in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And yet, yeah. as, as we study it, we go, oh, my God, you know, these things could go lights out. And, you know, and before I, you know, cut out, I'm going to leave. You know, my mom always came in with such a powerful message. She said something that you echoed earlier on. Nature does not have a voice. Mm-hmm. And we have mm-hmm. to be that voice. You know, and, and some way, somehow, nature can't say, oh, my God, you've cleaned out my nest. That's the only place I can have my, have my chicks or, you know. And it's amazing how we get so offended when, when they, you know, as children, we're like, oh, my God, look, it's a fox. It's a bunny. It's a this, it's a that. And yet, you know, we, we hate when they encroach on us. And yet we've taken away their home. Like, why don't people yeah. understand that? We're taking away their home. Yeah. And they're important. Like, damn, and I don't. You know, you know, as biologists, the two of you understand more than anybody else, the relationship, you know, what's going to happen when they're gone? Like, what's going to happen? There has to be, you know, an order to things. And so as they go away, what, what else is happening in the world? You know, what void yeah, I mean, is filled or... Iconic symbols of, 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 you know, of, of what should be there. And I'm sure you feel the same about the dolphin, I'm, the pink dolphin. You know, it's it's more than just a pink dolphin. Mm-hmm. You know, right. it's a very special, unique animal that's got a lot to teach us. Yeah, I think that's what we need to learn a lot about the species. I, I, I mean, it, it, we are using this species as a charismatic. Everybody talks about that. It's like, oh, you, if you talk here in, in, in La Paz, in my city, and the main city is like, I study real dolphins and everybody wants to save it. Everybody loves it. But if you go to the rural areas, the, the problems are, you know, it's strong and you cannot mm-hmm. do too much. And you, you start finding conflicts with fishermen that they think it's a um, competition for them or or use them or, or start killing them to use them as a bait. Oh, um, my God. So so yeah. you have you start finding all these things. And that's one a new problem. That it's happening right now. Even in Brazil, in, in the Ama- in Brazilian Amazon, everybody said, "Oh, there are so many river dolphins. There's a common species, no problem at all." But in the last years, they start using it um, as a bait. They start killing them because all the big fisheries are gone. All the big fish are almost extinct. So the hunt uh, fishermen start going to a smaller and scavenger fish. So that's why they need to kill them. And you have all these issues and you start talking with people and they really want to act. Some, sometimes people say, I'm so far away from the Amazon, so far from Bolivia, how, right. how I can help. But we need to think we're in the same globe. It's just like we an are. island. Yeah. The, the Earth is a small island floating in the space. So every single action you are doing far away is going to affect somehow here or, you know, in the rural areas. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I want to talk about um, one thing. The the call. Let's talk about the collar for a moment, Greg. That you designed for the dogs because the dogs were getting they were getting snared and and strangled uh, because of the people in Zimbabwe. Yeah. They they have the bush meat. They you know they kill well, antelope. Yeah. Let me yeah. Let me share this with you. Um, the you know because yeah we all have different strategies that we come up with to try and you know save endangered species. And one of the one of the biggest threats to painted dogs is 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 snares. Now, these are snares set for bushmeat. They're not set for painted dogs. They're not a retribution thing. Mm-hmm. They're set to catch um, bushmeat, which is a business. Now, it's not 
a poor person looking to get some meat to go home because he's hungry is a business. It's the same way that. But it's illegal, know, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's illegal, yeah. but the same yeah. way. But illegal doesn't mean to say something doesn't happen. Right. No. <laughs> no. 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 I get that. <laughs> In the same way that poachers put nets across for salmon, you know, they're right. not because they're hungry people. And and you know, many years ago, it's, it's amazing how how things evolve. And I had um, a dog that I <clears throat> put a standard radio collar on on a dog, and it was the alpha male of the pack, and this is what really blew me away. And um, he got caught in the snare, and by luck, just by luck, the, the collar caught the snare up and entangled it. And, okay, the dog was, was struggling, and I managed to get in there and dart him and pull the snare off. And the dog was so weak, he couldn't even um, function as a pack leader. And the, the beta male, the number two, this is what was so amazing, took over running the pack. And the second the alpha was better, the beta said, here we are, there's your position back. You know, instead of saying, oh, goody, goody, you're man down, I'm going to take over. Right. And, but that simple event made me think, well, if that can happen by accident, you know, maybe we can, you know, maybe we can make this happen by, like, force you know. Yeah. You know, and... Um, you know, you know, every time you're trying to pull a cable along the ground and it always snags in the stupidest little thing, you know, mm -hmm. you can almost have a clean floor and there'll be one little obstacle and that blooming vacuum cleaner, <laughs> whatever it is, always yeah. gets caught. And I thought, well, maybe we can use the same system and put little kind of hooks on the collar. Mm -hmm. And that will, if we can collar the dog, then the cable will get caught up in that. And then, okay, well, then, of course, we have these ideas. So then, then, of course, we have to test them as scientists. So then a whole team has evolved because, well, then we've got to test them. So we need to bring in the domestic dogs, the working dogs for conservation. So domestic dogs, we have domestic dogs running through all our different designs hundreds of times to see which design was going to work the best. The dogs loved it because they just got a treat every time they went through, you know. So, <laughs> Time number one, you know, oh, thank you very much. Oh, I get a cuddle, I get a treat or whatever. Um, and there was no harm to the dogs. And these dogs would go through relentlessly. And we had different dogs from different, we had actually a, um, um, a company that did animals for adverts, was using the dogs called Joel Slavin's company in, in Orlando. And finally, we've come up with a design which we are just building now and we're going to be collaring in the high vulnerable areas whole packs of dogs. And the problem for painted dogs is that the one thing about painted dogs, they're like the three musketeers, all for one and one for all. Mm -hmm. If one gets injured, they, the others will not run away. They keep going like, how can I help you? How can I help you? And it doesn't matter whether it's a, you know, a high-ranking dog or a low-ranking dog. As far as they're concerned, they're all part of the same team. And what happens is, is that if there's another 10 snares there, every single dog gets caught. Oh, so, so when you, when you, when you put these collars on, do they try to bite them off each other or they're okay you know, with it? It's unbelievable. You know, I don't know what it is. Cause you know, that's the first thing you think, you know, you yeah. think that you put a collar on, like sometimes when you, anyone has got a puppy, you know, you put a collar on a puppy and sometimes he moans and he groans and he complains and you think, Oh my God. 
And, you know, in fact, the first time I put one of my early prototypes on a dog, I was kind of a little bit concerned and I changed a little few designs and I put a longer antenna on the radio thing. And uh, I could tell from the collar activity whether they were sleeping or resting. And I was sleeping or moving, sorry. And, um, and, and I was getting different activity patterns from that collar than the normal collars. And I thought, something's going on. And I nearly broke my vehicle to, you know, to get yeah. into the book. And what it was was that the puppies saw the antenna and they thought uh. it was something to play with. And every time they tugged on the new antenna, <laughs> it made the collar look like the dog was active. And I had visions that he was trying to tear Do you ever worry that they're too tight, that they'll strangle Oh, it? no. We have, you know, I've got, there's a whole protocol. I mean, over the years, we... We never put a collar on a dog until he's 18 months old. Mm, mm-hmm. and, and then even then we put it on loose because we know that the neck still fills out. Yeah. Until, and this is all where science comes in. You know, you do these things and, you know, you get the data. Every time an animal's knocked down or you know, put, the, yeah. you know, put a collar, you measure neck sizes, you, um, you know, because yeah. these, these animals are our kids, you know. Of course. And so, do you do you mark the the dolphins? Have you followed them from upstream to downstream, or do you know? No, can you recognize them? Not yet. What people are doing is using a photo ID. Okay. They're trying to using some marks in the fin or stuff like that, but it's very very hard. I tried. I was thinking to do some you know radio tracking, but it's very invasive. You have to capture them and yeah, and and also technology is a little bit hard yet because if you think it's water and if they go down the water mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. and also you have all the canopy on top sometimes in a very small streams and it makes things a, a little tattoo bit... would be good maybe yeah something like that something like, like that a, with a glue or something but yeah still. yeah still but, but yeah exactly there are so many so much to learn from these animals it's i like... mean Enzo's raised a very important point there though you know he it immediately says, but it's invasive. You yeah, know, you don't want to do that. Whatever we do in science, you know, we really have to think, you know, as biologists, you know, are we, what are we doing? Are we really going to, the inform, are, is the information we're going to get from doing what we're doing going to help save the species or the individual? You know? Right, right. And if we can't honestly say yes, then, then you know, we have to think very carefully and, and, but your know, photo ID stuff's becoming better and better, and it's you know, like what they're doing with whales. And you yeah. know, obviously for pay- we're going to our commercial. I got to stop you. It's so yeah. fascinating. <laughs> I don't want to, but we have to. <laughs> but we'll be coming right back. It's our last commercial. Don't go anywhere. Getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more. We'll be right back after we pay the bills. I managed to run out of coffee again this morning. I didn't even have enough to make one cup. Boy, was that a miscabobble or big mistake. Because I make serious coffee so strong it wakes up the neighbors. Now, I don't have a problem with caffeine. I have a problem without caffeine. I get wadgety and brickety. Did you know apples are more efficient than coffee for keeping people awake in the morning? Unfortunately, I didn't have any apples either. Acorns were used as a coffee substitute during the American Civil War. Without my hot cup of coffee in the morning, I'm feeling pretty squirrely myself. 
What do you call that piece of cardboard that wraps around your coffee cup to keep from burning your hand? A zarf. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. The largest joints in your body are your hips and knees, and they are often plagued with pain and can keep us from exercising. Millions of Americans have pain in these joints, and their pain can be short-term and injury-related, which is acute pain, or off-again, on-again pain, which is recurrent, or pain that lasts for three months or more, which is chronic. According to Harvard Medical School, the solution might be a set of exercises, pain relief medication, minor surgery, replacement, or some combination of these. The bottom line is, if you experience pain in any joint, get it checked out by a doctor. Don't let pain and immobility keep you from exercising. Find out what the problem is, treat it, and get right back into the exercise groove. All the benefits of daily exercise lie ahead of you. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Of course, the better talk happens off air. <laughs> We're just talking about, um, Greg was talking, they actually had worked on, both had worked on painted dogs, which is very exciting. And in this afternoon um, in Zimbabwe, which is seven hours ahead of us or six hours ahead of us they have finished 10 collars for these dogs which is very exciting and they need donations they need your help they both need your help so please go to the site and donate whatever you can 5 10 15 20 100 dollars if you can um to make it happen because what is it it's 250 for a regular collar and 500 for the collar with a gps tracking in it is that correct yeah, something right? like that something yeah. like that yeah. but hey the main thing is is a collar for 250 saves an animal's life you know right you can help, you know, I mean, in fact, while we were, but, you know, while we were chatting while the commercial radio break, you know, Enzo was involved in this project to do the, the with the training of the, 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 the domestic dogs and running through them through the snares and everything else. And, it, you know, it's so exciting that, that we are right at the point now where we're going to get these collars on and so the very... The new improved version, a bit like dishwashing with liquid. That's, you know, you know. that's amazing, yeah. I'm very, very, very happy about that. But if you think, Frankie, uh, all the biologists, as I was saying, we live in this island. So yes. at the end, we we ended meeting each other, you know, involving yeah. and all of everybody's trying to do the same thing at the end to save animals to live in a world in peace, you know, where you can find the balance between wildlife and people avoiding conflicts and all this stuff. So it's, and your program showing this is, is amazing also because people can learn. So we need more, bi we need more conservationists. We need more biologists. We need people to, you know, for you guys to get excited and, and not just, you know, you have your animals, but we also have to excite the rest of the, the world to go into these jobs, to go into these kinds of fields so that, you know, we can find out about these species and save these species. And, and you have to be passionate about it. And, and yeah. that's why, you know, a lot of us, I mean, that's why all of us are focusing on, on, on the next generation. You know, you know, we're all focusing on, on, not only, you know, school, you know, children and schools, which is important, um, but, but also, I mean, like, this is why at the moment, you know, we're, you know, focusing on building our conservation ecology center where young grad students 
a number of them can, you know, can come and stay, they can do courses, they can get inspired, but also they can have a home where, you know, um, everybody believes in them. I mean, you know, in Zimbabwe, for example, um, you know, there's, it's still problematic for women, for example, to go into conservation. You know, their parents right. don't believe right. in them. And, you know, I mean, I, you know, we provide, you know, like now we've got this environment where, you know, women can come and even though their families might say, what are you doing, girl? You know, you know, this, the lady will be with other students going, but we're all involved together, you know. I, hey, I interviewed the Black Mambas oh, last week, you know, they're, the the anti-poaching unit, female, all female anti-poaching unit. Brilliant. Isn't it it's fantastic? Crazy. Yeah. You know, but I wanted to ask you both because I was watching a documentary um, by a, a man. His name was Joe Huto. And he he lived with the mule deers. And it got so, you know, they were his family. He lived with them for, you know, like you for 20 some odd years. And he knew all of them and he knew the babies. And every year the hunters would come out and every year, you know, a family member would die. And it got to the point where he kept saying, I don't know if I can do this anymore because it hurt so much. They're mm -hmm. his, they became family, right? They became um, like your trusted puppy dog mm -hmm. that you live with. And, and so how difficult emotionally is it for you too? That's very, very difficult for me. It's like I get frustrated all the time, you know, because yeah. suddenly it seems that everybody loves dolphins and then you see like a mother just killed with a baby is still in the womb, Aww. you know, that yeah. breaks breaks you and you don't know how. To, yeah, exactly. But how then emotionally that? and uh, I don't know, sometimes it's like, okay, I don't want to deal with this. I want to live, you know, mm -hmm. normally don't. I don't need to fight with people or keep getting in these bad feelings, but somehow I, I go back and say, no, we need to keep fighting. We need to keep doing for, mm -hmm. for these animals. Greg said at the beginning, they don't have a voice. No. You can be the voice. Yeah. How you can help them, I keep saying in the cities, is like you can do it a lot. You can do a lot. Learning from the animals, helping all mm -hmm. these environmental mm -hmm. initiatives, like yeah, endangered species of revenge, you know, if you donate some a little bit of money, you're making okay. the difference. Like, no, it's not going to salaries. It's not going, you know, to make mm -hmm. you rich, Greg, or, or of me. It's like we don't get. I don't get money from this. Every single thing I'm doing for the dolphins is for free, actually. And it's you know, not it's easy. Like, the work that you do, you put yourself in danger all the time. It's yeah. hardship, right? Yeah. I mean, Greg, you had a plane crash. I got. Yeah. We got to touch on that for a second. Because, you know, you were a topic of a documentary. And your injuries, you broke both your femurs and pelvis. I had those same injuries in a motorcycle accident. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I was broke every, pretty much every bone in my body. But yeah, um, my spine. But, you know, and, but, you know, you, you asked, how do we keep going? You know, and mm -hmm. I think it's something that we all face. And there's, you know, uh, and, you know, you say to yourself, well, maybe I should just get a regular job, as you know, as was said. But then you say, and a friend of mine put it quite clearly to me some years ago. And she said, you know what, Greg? She said, if you gave up working with painted dogs, and she said, if later on in your lifetime, painted dogs become, became extinct, mm -hmm. you would never forgive yourself. That you weren't there fighting the fight to the yeah. bitter end. 
you know, but but also, you know, how do you keep going? Because um, you're right. I mean, you know, you you know, you see a pack of dogs wiped out. You know, you see an alpha female die, and then you see all the pups die, or whatever. These because are these are things that you animals you know intimately. You watch them oh, twenty four hours a day. Watch them grow up. And, yeah. And you know, the way I the way I deal with it, which and I think maybe there's a lesson in it, is that I. When you get us, we all get successes, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like we heard earlier on about, you know, moving big family of dolphins out of danger. And, you know, I take those successes and, you know, we get successes with painted dogs, you know, like when I stop the ranchers from shooting the dogs and, I, you know, and we take those successes and they become my candle. Mm-hmm. You know, they become my light. And I'll look at that light and until I get another gleam of light. Yeah, that's, right. yeah. That's your go-to light. That's the one I'm, that's my go-to light, you know. Yeah. Periodically, I agree. we get them. I mean, like these collars, we're going to get these collars out there now, you know. And if I see six dogs snared and break the wires because of these collars, that's going to be my next light. Yeah. And that's going to keep me and a lot of people going for a hell of a long time. You guys are doing amazing work. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, really. I'm already in tears. I can't believe it. But, you know, because I just feel so much for them. And I'm just so happy that there are people like you doing what you do for them. How tempted were you to ever take a puppy? (laughs) Oh, never. Never, 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 never. I, I... You know, I mean, I have to say, you know, and as, you know, when I was hearing about those dolphins, you know, you you kind of want them in an aquarium, you know. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. These, you know, you know, to me, the beauty is actually not owning anything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the beauty. Oh, I have to say, I mean, yeah. Oh God, yeah. The puppies are cute, you know, and I'm sure. You know, the baby dolphins are cute. What, what's the a, what's a correct name for baby dolphin? I'm not sure I know it. Um, but, you know... They're, they're, Enzo? Enzo, what's the correct a name? A what? A, a calf? A calf. A calf, right. Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and, and, you know, and I look at these pups and, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, they're so smart and they're, they're so beautiful. But I think... Your beauty is when you're in the wild, you know, yes. you're, you're gorgeous where you are and that's where you belong. And, you know, for me to see another, when I see the next generation born, that's when I get excited, you know, right. and it means right. that we've done something good, you know, yeah. and, and ultimately, you know, and I can say it's not even knowing Enzo intimately, I will guarantee that had no one intervened, he not intervened and given a voice to those dolphins. Oh, absolutely. Most of those dolphins today would be extinct and gone. I believe that. I totally believe that. And how many calves can they have? And so, only one. Just only the one, one, eh? And the, and the painted dogs, because they're the only the female, the alpha female can have a pup. Is there, what, yeah, like 20 they, some, they sometimes? Have, they can actually have up to, I mean, the biggest litter I've ever seen is 19. Wow. Um, wow. And and but you know what's so amazing the the number of pups is directly proportional to the number of dogs in the pack. So oh, so they can feed them. Much, it seems that the alpha female is well fed in the big pack and therefore implants big litters. 
But she only suckles them for two or three weeks. And oh, really? She hands over, yeah, she hands over the whole rest of it to the rest of the pack and say, I've done my bit. <laughs> so they, they don't drink for very long. They don't, they don't, no, they're, they're, they're weaned in three weeks. Wow. Yeah, a couple of weeks they suckle and then they, they all go into solid food. And the, you watch, you know, when we, because we, a lot of the data we get at dens is using camera traps because it's non-invasive, you know, so going back to what Enzo was saying, you know, non-invasive research. I don't have to be there. Put a camera there. I got to um, stop you for one moment just because we've got less than two minutes and I want to make sure that people go to uh, www.esrevenge.org slash Bolivian hyphen pink hyphen river hyphen dolphin hyphen project. The same esrevenge.org slash African hyphen painted hyphen dog hyphen project. Go and visit them. Watch the video. It's really cute. And donate your money because you've heard why it's so important here today. Okay, carry on. (laughs) (laughs) We did the important work. Yeah, Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, as I say, it's it's all back to my mum and the voice, you know. And everyone listening to this program can be the voice of the animals, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, everyone can. Absolutely. Everyone listening can, you know, and it does, you know. Whether it's $5 or $10 or more, whatever, it, you know, it makes the difference. It really does. I said at the top, just sharing the show. You volunteer. there the fields and put you know, keeping them in vehicle alive. I'm sure Enzo's got stories about all the vehicles that break down and uh, you know. Yeah, we're less. We've got 30 seconds, and I just have to. I'm sorry to cut you off. You guys will have to come back. But thank you, thank you, thank you for coming on today, sharing your stories, telling the plight, being the voice for those endangered species that you represent. I thank you so very much. Um, so remember the painted dog, the African painted dog, the pink dolphin, river dolphin. Wow. Go and save them. You can do it. We can do it. They don't have to go in our lifetime. They don't have to go ever, but they don't have to go in our lifetime. Be there, boy.